Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode number three, where we will be talking all about oral reading. All right, full disclosure, my friends, for today's episode, I am recording in my car, okay? Now, y'all are either going to think, man, she is a special kind of crazy, or you're going to be like, ah, that's how real people get things done. So my daughter right now is in basketball practice. We just came from uh, the nursing home where she volunteers, and so I just brought my laptop along and my microphone, and I am sitting in my car talking to myself here recording the podcast so I might get crazy looks from people as they pull in the parking lot or whatever but full disclosure that's where I'm at that's what I'm doing today let's talk a little bit about oral reading what does that look like what are you doing in your resource room what kind of goals progress monitoring that kind of thing so for me in my resource room oral reading looks different for lots of students And that really varies based on the reading level, the grade level, that kind of thing of your students. So oral reading is anytime those students are reading out loud. And I do this in a variety of ways. The first and probably fastest way, I haven't been relying on this as much this year, but it's definitely a way to help your students read out loud and practice tracking, practice some of those types of things without the demand of reading as much, goes a little bit faster, is what is called close reading. Close with a Z is different than close reading with an S. In that close reading with a Z is where you're going to read a sentence and your students are going to help you fill in a word whenever you pause. So if the sentence was, the cat jumped over the hat, that's the sentence, and we have been working on CBC words, I might say the and pause and have the students help me with the word cat. Then I might say, jumped over the, pause, and let them help me with the word hat. My pauses can be targeting different things. And maybe it varies by the day. Maybe it varies by the group. Maybe I'm pausing on decodable words. Maybe I'm pausing on sight words. It doesn't matter as long as you kind of have a little bit of method to your madness. What are you focusing on? And are they able to really read that word or utilize a strategy whenever it's time? For example, I have a group of students who have been working on beginning blends for quite a while, and now we've moved on to working on ending blends. But I still want to practice those beginning blends. I don't want to just move on, never address it. I want it to keep coming up in what they're doing. So when I'm close reading with them, 
even though we're targeting ending blends, maybe the words that I pause on are words with beginning blends. That away, maybe they already know it. Maybe they can decode it a little faster than a previous time or, you know, one year earlier. Maybe it would have taken quite a while to read that word, but now they can do it a little faster. Maybe we need a reminder of, oh, what does SL say or what does DR say? Just to keep some of those things fresh in our mind. So we're using those decoding strategies. We're spiral reviewing in a way that just seems natural. They don't even know why I'm picking that particular word. Maybe instead of pausing on decodable words, maybe I wanna stop on a high frequency word or a sight word that I know they had previously mastered or we were doing really well with, but maybe we haven't seen it in a while. And hey, it's in this book, so let's test them and see if they can remember that. So it really doesn't matter what words you're pausing on as long as there's a little bit of reasoning and justification to what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be Today I'm pausing on sight words. Today I'm pausing on decodable words. Use kind of what fits, use what makes sense in the moment or you know, if you want to predetermine what words you might stop on to see how your students are doing as a way to check in. The next gives a little more independence, requires a little more of your students, um, and that would be echo reading. So for me, this is what I use probably more than closed reading because a lot of my kids are really ready to do more reading on their own or to do more. I also really like it because it helps them track what we're reading. So with that, echo reading is as simple as I tell them, okay, guys, we're going to read, you know, for our second time here or for our first time, third time, whatever it is. And I want you to be my echo. Then I try to naturally chunk up that sentence in a way that makes sense. Um, I have one group right now who we do this every day and they are really good at being able to do a couple of phrases together. However, I have a lower group of students who, if I say more than about two or three words, it's impossible for them to echo me back appropriately because I really believe it's what their working memory is able to hold on to. Any more than that, four or five words, and whew, they lose it. So using that same sentence, the cat jumped over the hat, I might say the cat and pause so that they can repeat, they can be my echo, jumped over, pause again, the hat and let them repeat after me. So with that, they are following along. And I really, really stress this because it's one more exposure of them seeing and hearing the word at the same time. They have an action that they're doing along with it. For some kids, this is really hard. This is a hard skill for them. However, it's an important one. How are you going to read if tracking is a difficult skill for you? So to me, this practices a whole lot of skills with one, maybe 30 second to one minute practice. To practice oral reading, we also take turns. So um, what I do in my room is if it's day one in our book, one student, the first student at my table, they are our reader. They start us out and then we take turns reading one sentence at a time around the table. If it's day two, the second student, day three, the third student, and so on. 
And that really works. Um, for a long time, they were arguing over who got to read first. And I felt like that was a pretty good feeling because they're not afraid to read out loud in a group. I'm not putting anybody on the spot. I'm not asking them to read something that's too challenging. So I feel like that's a good problem to have. But we started that day one, day two, day three thing just to keep things fair. And whatever we're reading, they get to read the first sentence and then we take turns around the circle. What I love about this is that then I get to practice different skills with each student. So maybe in that sentence, the cat jumped over the hat. Maybe those decodable words are tricky and we can stop and stretch out those words with a student who's struggling with that. Or maybe it's some of the high frequency words, those sight words that are tricky that they don't have yet memorized. And so then we can arm tap them. We can say, oh, that word jump. J-U-M-P, jump. Oh, that must be jump. And kind of work through and use real life strategies to stretch out or to recall some of those words so that then when they're reading on their own, then I see them over there, T-H-E. Oh, the, the, that's the word the. So it gives them some tools so that when they are reading on their own, then they have a little bit of practice. And typically for me, if we are taking turns reading, either I have read it one time or they have already, like I've read it, we've echo read it, and then they're reading it on their own. So it's never a cold read for them. It's definitely something that they have already been exposed to. For example, one of the books that we were reading today had three big vocabulary words in it because we were reading about horses. So it had the word foal, like as in a baby horse, a colt, as in a baby horse that is male, and a filly, as in a baby horse that is female. And those are hard words. When we're reading about ending digraphs or ending blends, none of those have those rules. They're not going to be able to stretch out those words. That's not the goal of that. But when I read to them and when we were echo reading, we talked about those words. We stressed those. We said them several times. We pointed to them because we treated them like vocabulary words, as words that we need to become familiar with. So I'm not asking them to take turns and read words that they've never read before or that aren't decodable or that aren't sight words. We're in a group. There's an adult there. So I don't think they need to know every single word. But it's not a cold read either where I'm just throwing it at them and expecting them to know what to do. The last way that we practice oral reading in my small groups is through whisper reading. Now, I like this because this is often something that I make them do on standardized tests or that I ask them or remind them, prompt them to do when we take standardized tests. So I like that we practice it every day. That way it feels like something, hey, we've been doing it all year long, whisper reading. And so with this, it is just that. I ask them to point to the words and whisper as they're reading. And if they need help with a word, they can tap the word at any time and I'll tell them what that particular word is. Because obviously there are going to be words that are going to be challenging for them, like full or colt or filly. They may not know those. They may not be able to decode those. However, there will also be words that do follow rules that they are able to decode. 
or that maybe are some of our sight words, which gives me the chance to say, oh, I see an ending blend there. I see a beginning blend. Oop, this feels like an arm tapper is something that I say all the time, or that looks like an arm tapper. And it prompts them to know, oh, I do have some tools. I do have some strategies to figure out what some of these unknown words are. Or maybe it's a word like full. And I'm not going to ask you if we're working on beginning blends, I'm not going to ask you to decode the word full because you don't know all of those sounds. So if they don't know a word as they're whisper reading, they tap it and I help them in whatever way I deem is appropriate. Some of my students do ask me if they can read in their head and I'll let you use your discretion. I think there are definitely pros and cons to both. For some of our kids, they would never read and they're going to sit there and be like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm reading it in my head. So sometimes depending on the student, I say no. However, I do have a couple of students who are great readers and reading out loud can be challenging for them, but reading in their head, they do okay. And I'm speaking as somebody who literally lives this. I can read out loud. I do read out loud, but I prefer to read in my head. I understand it better when I read it in my head. Sometimes when I'm reading out loud, my comprehension suffers because I'm focusing on the words. Now, obviously, it depends on what am I reading out loud, but I don't want to put that same pressure or that same, yeah, I read it out loud, but I don't understand it on my students. So use your discretion. What's best for the student as long as they are, it's, you know, kind of going through that one more read, building their fluency, building their comprehension. That's the goal but it takes a little bit of practice to get there. Now let's talk a little bit about what the goals would be that you're addressing by practicing oral reading every day. To me, the no-brainer is fluency, and then that's going to impact their comprehension. So you could have fluency or comprehension goals that are affected by oral reading. If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't give a lot of my students fluency goals But obviously, that's what we're going for. When we're working on being better decoders, better sight word readers, better comprehenders, fluency is definitely impacted and definitely something that I feel like should be practiced on a very regular basis. And part of that is echo reading or taking turns or whisper reading, that kind of thing. Being constantly in the habit or constantly kind of in practice of working on reading out loud. With your fluency goals, you could honestly be measuring an array of things. Maybe it's just accuracy. We all have those kids who read, 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 and half of the words are right and half of them are wrong. They look similar, or maybe instead of saying pony, you say horse or something like that where it makes sense. It's within the context, but doesn't quite flow. But so maybe accuracy is what you're going for. Maybe it's the rate, like the number of words that they're reading in a minute, which I see a lot in IEPs and is totally fine. Maybe it's more the self-corrections. So for me, sometimes when I read out loud, I might say the word with the wrong ending or add in something. But oftentimes then I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's not what I should have said. And you go back and you correct that. 
That is a skill. That's something that we need to model, something that we need to show, and it might be something that you want to measure in your goals. So any of those would be great goals that you could monitor and will be a result or the improvement will be a result from the oral reading that you're doing every day. To progress monitor that, for me, I monitor that through the fluency section of my reading intervention. So on day three and day four, we read the stories and those come from day one and day two. So it's not a cold read. It's not brand new, but it's been two days since we've read it. So with that, what I do, if I have multiple kids that I want to monitor, we read that story three times and we have two days. So think of it as six opportunities to read one-on-one with a student. So on the first reading, I might sit with student number one. The second reading, student number two. If I only have four or five students, then I might not do anything on that third reading because you've already read it two times. It's not even a cold read anymore. And then I might sit with student number three on day four for the first reading and student four for the second reading on day two. I would obviously prioritize those first reads to be students who actually have that goal in their IEP. So if I'm just wanting to get a snapshot of what that student can do, I am not going to sit with somebody on the first read if I actually have somebody with a goal for that. I hope that makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling there. But sit with students one-on-one. You could also ask an instructional assistant or you could carve out some time to sit with students one-on-one for one minute or for 30 seconds or whatever that goal happens to be. But for me, it's easiest to just do it in the routine of what we're doing anyway. And then what I oftentimes find is that student doesn't even know I'm really monitoring them or watching them specifically because it's just routine. They just know, oh, Mrs. Whoop's going to sit next to me now, or Mrs. Whoop's going to kind of watch my book now, but the next time she's going to watch the student next to me. Tomorrow she'll watch somebody else. And then it just becomes normal. So the pressure isn't necessarily there. You could certainly take their numbers kind of as gospel, as being true. However, We all know when students are reading on their own, they do a little bit better than when they're reading to us. So I like to sit with my students and see how they're doing as they read out loud. As I discussed earlier, we want to improve their fluency, improve their ability to read on their own, because that helps build reading comprehension, which is what we're going to talk about next week. So... As I told you earlier, I'm recording in my car and I am going to hit the save button and move on to the next episode and record yet another episode in my car for next week. So I will talk with you in next week's episode all about reading comprehension. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. 
Until next time, have a great week.